focus. Focus. The tide is coming in. But we've just begun our picnic. We aren't done with our game. Collect your beach blankets and playthings while you can. For the tide waits. For no man. Alright, welcome back to Processing College Football. This is episode number 19. Late Bowl Review. Conference. No. College Football. Playoff. Championship. Whatever. The National Title Preview. Um, this is Processing College Football, a college football podcast designed to educate and entertain, and I am your host, Jason Randaz, and my co-host, Mark Catlin, is right here. I am. I am indeed right here. On uh, a, a cosmic sense, you are right here. It, wow, I like that. It's powerful. <laughs> yeah. Um, it actually, I, I kind of paused there before I said your name. It, it lent a certain dramatic flair, I thought, but you might have actually thought I forgot your name. Which let me let me just assure you was not the case. I, I have it written in my notes. Yeah, that's right. Even if you had forgotten, never fear. The trusty notes. Never All right. Yeah. So this is our um, this is our national title preview episode. Um, I I'm going to invite our 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 listeners out there, maybe uh, for the last time this season, to uh, email us or catch us on Twitter if they have any topics they want us to discuss or, or terms they want us to define or, or questions they want us to answer. So uh, Twitter at processing CFB um, or you can email us at processing college football at gmail.com. Um, so Mark, how yeah. are you doing? <clears throat> I'm doing pretty well. Getting over a little illness. A little hear. stomach bug. Yeah. And uh, now just trying to trying to hold on to to my voice here to make it through here but yeah. you know um nothing that uh hasn't happened before and you know i would feel a lot worse if alabama had not won so you know all in all i'm feeling pretty good yeah i know and actually so i was sick last week um you're getting over something this week but we're both getting healthier um just like uh, alabama's defensive line so um with that uh, let's let's process something real quick at the top. Since this is our uh, <laughs> national title preview game, we have we had the playoff this year, or we still kind of have half of it. Um, we're about to go into the title game, uh, and the winner will be the well, mostly definitive national champion. But this hasn't always been the case, and and going back in history, there's actually a lot of controversy, and in fact, several years prior to as I understand it, like the early 90s maybe, there there were teams that share national title claims. Um, can, can you just kind of give me and uh, our audience, um, I don't know, uh, a down and dirty review of how national champions were chosen over the years? Yeah, it's, it's uh, slightly confusing, but, um, you know, they refer to the poll era, uh, starting in 1936, which is when the Associated Press poll started. And so starting there, at least, basically you'd have these polls and people would be voted national champions. Now, you also had other people who awarded national champions, however, and this is all possible because there was no playoff. It was mm-hmm. just you voted for who you thought uh, was the best team. So you had, like, the Football Coaches Association. Uh, later on, you had the Football Writers Association of America, 
uh, all this kind of stuff. And so you have different um, groups of people who could award national champions uh, or national championships to teams. And so you'd have these competing ideas. Well, then in the 90s, you have, in order to, to deal with this, uh, you have the BCS come along. Well, the BCS was, and, well, I should say, all the voting stuff was controversial. And Alabama gets made fun of all the time for awarding themselves national championships that maybe they shouldn't, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. And that, that's, a, that's another topic for another time, but something that should be processed because there's arguments all over the place for that. Mm-hmm. But uh, so if different groups of people voted for different national champions, then you could have co-national champions. Now, the BCS that comes along in the 1990s was supposed to deal with this, and so it had – uh, supposed to deal with especially the human element of things and so you had all these computer ratings and systems and uh, the polls were taken into consideration but they weren't the main thing so you had like strict of schedule all that kind of stuff was factored in these different formulas and you had several different formulas they were all compiled together that would give you your top two teams and so you could have a true national championship game the top two teams would play each other that would decide your national champion well People didn't like that too much. Um, I thought it was fine, whatever. But people didn't people didn't like it too much, um, especially because the SEC won all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, that that hasn't really changed. But um, and you had like Auburn got left out. I think it was 04, which was a big deal. They were undefeated, but there was an undefeated team that had to be left out. They were left out. Mm-hmm. So you had these controversial things where, hey, why can't three or four be in there or um, maybe we need a little bit more of the human element in order to decide what's mm-hmm. happening. So, anyway, the BCS, you know, kind of goes away. Uh, a big stepping stone toward that was, <laughs> oddly enough, or a stepping stone away from the BCS, oddly enough, was Alabama and LSU playing for the national championship from the same conference. Um, but more on that later. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, and it was a, the BCS was this really a transition between the pole and what we have now in the playoff system. Um, and so now a few years ago, we have uh, an actual playoff with four teams, semifinals that we just had played. Now those teams will play for the national championship. People are still unhappy with it. Mm-hmm. I think more more teams should be in. There's arguments that are made there. Again, I'm fine with, with the way that it is now. Um, but I think it's good. So there was kind of the pole era. And before that, you could choose a national championship. But then the pole era brought a little bit more definition. The BCS era brought more definition. Now the playoff has brought even more definition to a true national champion. So for that reason, throughout college history, college football history, there's all kind of competing claims for national championships across the board. It, it, it seems a little weird to me that basically like college football in some form or fashion has been around since the late 1800s. And it took them almost a hundred years, or maybe even a hundred years, before they decided. Okay, uh, there's some debate a lot of times between at least two teams. Why don't we just have them play each other and, and settle this this controversy? Yeah, it's been talked about a lot. It's extremely confusing. I agree. So let's just put it on record. How many national championships do you think Alabama has? Wow, that's a bit. That's a big question. Is it too personal? It is a little personal for the show. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, I'll say sixteen, and and okay. here's why. Before we get into all the the details, we'll have seventeen here pretty soon, just to get sure. my prediction early. But the the thing is, people are going to say, "What about this year? That year? Alabama doesn't really deserve it." 
But you could go also to a couple other seasons where Alabama did deserve it and maybe another undeserving champion didn't. Or they got awarded the championship and Alabama didn't. So uh, for all you Auburn fans, especially out there, who listen to the show, I'm sure you'll hem and haw about it. But maybe a future process in college football uh, could be how many – looking through the years and seeing how many championships does Alabama actually have. So whether or not it would be the years that are claimed, um, I still think Alabama has 16. Okay. That's a little different than my number. What is your number? Two. Because of the – because of what? No, just, uh, you know, since I've been paying attention to college football, I have definitely (laughs) confirmed that they've gotten two of them. (laughs) So, you know, before that, it's anybody's guess. It's kind of speculative and, uh, uh, you know, hearsay. So um, I can confirm the two, uh, just in case anybody asks. Um, All right. So why don't we uh, do a little bit of review before we do the the big, the ultimate, uh, the Mac Daddy of all previews? Let's do it. All right. So our late bowl review. I think we stopped right before the military bowl. So military bowl, December 28th. This was between Virginia and Navy. Lesson learned. Never pick against the service academy in a service academy bowl. Navy wins this game 49 to 7 against Virginia. Then we had the camping world bowl. Uh, Oklahoma State against Virginia Tech. Oklahoma State pulls this one out 30 to 21. Alamo Bowl featured Stanford and TCU. TCU wins this in a bit of a nail-biter, 39-37. The Holiday Bowl had Michigan State and Washington State. Michigan State, the better of the two states, I guess, 42-17 in that matchup. Then the Belk Bowl, um, I heard the players in this game actually got like a $400 Belk gift card. Um, So let's hope there are Belks wherever... Wake Forest is? Where is Wake Forest? Is that Texas? No, Wake Forest is in North Carolina. Oh, okay. I had no it's, idea. Uh, we learn the, something new every week. Not in the town of Wake Forest. That's where it started as Wake Forest College, but now it's in Winston-Salem, Wake Forest oh, University. How about that? They were playing Texas A&M, and they won this one in a shootout, 55-52. to 52. Uh, that was actually the spread, so whoever is the, the line maker there, good job. Uh, then we had the Sun Bowl, NC State versus Arizona State. NC State, seven-point favorite, and they won by, like, 21 points, 52-31. to 31. Music City Bowl, Kentucky versus Northwestern. Uh, Northwestern won this one, 24-23. to 23. Uh, The Arizona Bowl featuring New Mexico and Utah, two states which are not Arizona. Uh, New Mexico State wins this one 26-20 in overtime. And then we had uh, the Cotton Bowl. This is our first of the New Year's Six Bowls. This featured Ohio State versus USC. Uh, I think you and I both uh, kind of called this game. I think Sam Darnold had uh, a couple of picks that Ohio State capitalized on. I think one of them was a pick six. What I thought was interesting was that there were zero points scored in the second half. This game ends 24-7, to Ohio State winning. Uh, you, you have any thoughts on this one? Uh, no, I mean, it was, you know, about, you know, what, what I thought. Sam Darnold, turnover central. Um, 
and Ohio State just a, a better football team wins it. So, no. So this was interesting. I think we were texting around uh, this game, and <laughs> you said that Sam Darnold looks like he needs to stay another year and uh, maybe refine his uh, his practice, his his performance. But he has declared for the the draft, so uh, maybe he can. I don't know. Refine it real quick here in the off season before that combine. No, uh, yeah, it's not. I, I think it's a, a bad. I mean, look, well, it's a bad move as if I can judge. There's a whole <laughs> bunch of factors that go into play and what he's decided to do. If you're going to be a top two pick, might as well come out. You can come back, you can get injured, etc. Um, but with where he's at right now, usually a team drafts a quarterback one or two. It's going to be an immediate starter, mm-hmm. um, and it's just, it's going to be rough. It's going to be rough. So. Uh, I mean, he just he made some really bad throws. He doesn't take care of the ball in the pot. It's just a there's a lot to work on. Team's taking a pretty big risk. Yeah. There's a big there's a big upside, but there's also the potential that he just stays what he what he is, and that's that's not good at the NFL level. Sure. All right. Uh, let's move on. Talk about the Tax Slayer Bowl. Uh, this was between Louisville and Mississippi State. Mississippi State wins this one. They pull this one off 31-27. to 27. Um, Lamar Jackson had maybe his worst game all season. He threw four interceptions, which I think I saw a stat was like 16% of the interceptions he's thrown all season long. Uh, I don't know what that average is. A little bit more than one, I guess, uh, every game. Um, or maybe not. I don't know. My math is terrible. But um, he has also declared for the draft. So good luck to him. Uh, let's move on. Talk about the Liberty Bowl. Liberty Bowl was Iowa State versus Memphis. I think we both picked Memphis thinking that Iowa State had brief flashes of brilliance but could not hope to, uh, I don't know, match up very evenly with Memphis. We were both wrong. Iowa State wins this one 21 to 20. All right. Then our next New Year's Six Six Bowl was the Fiesta Bowl, Washington versus Penn State. Uh Penn State uh kind of maintains or kind of claims the lead early and then maintains it and appeared in control through the whole game. Washington uh, showing some fire every now and then, but Penn State started up 14 to 0 by the end of the first quarter. Saquon Barkley had a really great game, 18 carries, 137 yards, and two touchdowns. Um, what I thought was a little bit curious was they were playing him uh, later in the game when I felt like their victory was more assured, which really just made me nervous because I, I didn't want to see him get injured because I just figured he was going for the, uh, the NFL. Uh, he didn't get injured, fortunately, and after this game, I think the very next day, he did declare. Uh, so much luck to him as well. Trace McSorley, uh, quarterback for Penn State, also had a good game uh, through uh, 32 completions on 41 attempts and over 350 yards of total production, uh, threw for two touchdowns, also two interceptions. But overall, very good. Um, seems like Penn State might be set up pretty well for next year. Um, yeah. So, uh, thoughts on this game? Final score was 35-28. to 28. Uh, Not too much. I mean, you know, it was... Uh... It was a great game. It's kind of played out how I thought. Uh, Penn State, Saquon Barkley came out and had a great game despite Washington's stout run defense. So it was a lot of fun to watch. But uh, McSorley had a 
had a great game and ended up being close. It looked like Penn State might run away with it for a while there, but Washington came back and made a game of it. It was a it was a lot of fun to watch. Um, but yeah, congrats to Penn State and look forward to watching Saquon in the NFL. It'll be fun. Yes, sir. All right. Uh, then we have the Orange Bowl between Miami and Wisconsin. Uh, I think I picked Miami to win this one. I know that they were still short uh, Amon Richards, and uh, they ended up losing this one. Uh, could not compete against Wisconsin's relatively stout defense. 34-24 to 24 was the final here. Did you get a chance to watch any of this one? I got a chance to watch a little bit of it, you know, and I, I thought Miami would run away with this just based on athleticism and speed. Um, but uh, one thing that you can't, uh, underestimate and I did is uh, just composure mm-hmm. maturity those sort of things and <clears throat> Wisconsin more recently has been in big games like this and so um, I think Miami came out and it certainly looked like Miami was about to run away with this thing uh, but then Miami got got hit in the mouth turnover here there and it's like they didn't have the maturity to stay composed and be like this is what fo- big games in football are <laughs> like you get you get hit and then you get back up i mean they couldn't do it uh, against pitt they couldn't do it against clemson and now it showed against uh wisconsin where if things aren't going right they don't really have the mental composure to come back in a big game and so i thought they just kind of lost their composure Mm-hmm. Um, and Wisconsin was just kind of stable. Like, okay, turnover chain, whatever. We'll just keep yeah. doing what we do and stay who we are. And so just the more mature team won at the end of the day. Miami was still faster, all that kind of stuff. But um, Wisconsin just had more stability, especially mentally uh, and composure in the game. I mean, even I, – I mean, Mark Richt in the game, coach for Miami, lo- seriously lost his composure and grabbed a ref. And, yeah, he did. Uh, I'm surprised they didn't been. eject him. It, I I'm shocked. I mean, he should have gotten tossed. I, I don't. That's uh. I mean, that's just completely. I mean, I, I don't know. It's it's just not within within the realm of what a, what a head coach should be doing. I mean, you could say a lot of things mm-hmm. as long as you're not upstaging the ref too much. Um, they'll listen to a lot. I mean, they'll sit there and stand on the sideline next to a coach, and the coach will just chew them out for however long. Mm-hmm. He'll go over and have a conversation. But to grab a ref like that is yeah. it's kind of it starts to break down the the integrity of the game a little bit, and so Mark Rich was losing his composure, his team lost their composure. And what's interesting about that um, is uh, I was texting with a, a good friend of mine, it's a Georgia fan, and Still after good the friends? After, okay. yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, but uh, he, you know, after Georgia ended up, you know, pulling it out against Oklahoma. Yeah. He actually texted, and he made an interesting comment, and I think it plays into this. He said, yeah, it was a good game, but let's be honest. If Mark Richt was still here, we'd lose that game. And I thought it was an interesting comment because, I mean, Richt was always a good coach, right? Mm-hmm. And basically what he's doing at Miami, what he's done at Miami is similar to what he did at Georgia. Georgia would have really good teams, but they wouldn't be able to win the big game. And so here you go. Here's Miami again. They get into the ACC championship game. They get blown out. They get into another big game. They lose their composure. And so, and you could see, right, the, the mentality of Mark Rick is the mentality that his team has. And I wonder if Rick just isn't a big game sort of guy. Um, and so it's interesting how he prepares that, who he mentally is. And so now that he's gone, this is why Georgia wanted him to leave and bring in somebody else is he was good, but he wasn't great. Mm-hmm. And so I thought I just thought that was a very interesting comment from my friend. 
to say, wow, uh, just to think about what if Mark Rick were coaching in that Georgia-Oklahoma game, mm-hmm. what would the outcome have been? It's an interesting question. That, that is interesting. Um, and, and maybe that uh, played into uh, why they lost against Pitt, you know? Big game, you know? Pitt <laughs> was like four and six at the time or something like that. Yeah, I don't know. Intimidating. Well, I, I think... I think with that is still it's a mindset thing. Are you looking ahead to the big game, worried about it, and you're not sure. focused on oh, okay. the that's, task at hand? You know what I mean? Fair. Um, and so, uh, just that knowing that a big game is coming up, or how, just how are you mentally preparing for that? It mm-hmm. doesn't seem like maybe Rick just doesn't have it. You yeah. Know? Uh, so it's interesting. Yeah. This this was a, a good game, um, especially to see some things like uh, that that turnover chain uh, kind of, uh, I don't know, maybe leave Miami's control and escape into the, the realm of, of being a meme and something that's uh, a little bit like the, the trash can on the sideline of, of Tennessee, although not, not to that point. Uh, the trash can yet. was terrible. <laughs> I, I mean, dude, here's the thing. I like, the, I like the turnover chain thing. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, I love it. I mean, it's college kids having fun. It's sure. very like Miami. You're trying to bring the U back. Go all in with it. That's great. I mean, yeah. I like the belt that Alabama has. Oh, there's a bunch of teams that have these different things. The trash can is just stupid. Like, what are you doing? It doesn't <laughs> make any sense. Um, like, it, <laughs> I, yeah. You, you, you think that Butch Jones was going to just think a little bit to try to avoid those comparisons? I don't know. Maybe maybe that was a Phil Fulmer idea way back when, and he was secretly sabotaging him. <laughs> no, oh, I don't know. Gosh. It um, is possible. It is. It is totally distinctly possible. Anyway, uh, one last thing to note. I think Alex Hornibrook had a great game. He's, he's never been like a super elite quarterback, but he, he threw for four touchdowns in this game. Um, so good on him. Um, next, we can talk about the Outback Bowl. This was uh, a noon game on dis- or I'm sorry, on New Year's Day. Uh, Michigan versus South Carolina. So <laughs> let me just kind of set the scene for folks here. Uh, this is not a New Year's Six Bowl, despite happening on New Year's. Uh, but there were three games going on at the same time on New Year's Day um, at well, about an hour after this one started. Uh, there's this one, the Peach Bowl, and the Citrus Bowl. And for some unknown reason, this is the one that I ended up watching most of. Uh, it was weird. There were no touchdowns uh, through about halfway through the third quarter. There were four field goals, but, uh, goals, but no touchdowns. Um, so by halfway through the third quarter, it was, I think, Michigan 9 um, and uh, South Carolina 3. Uh, then Michigan gets a touchdown, and it looks like they'll probably win it because there's only a couple minutes left in the third quarter, and South Carolina's down 19-3. to But then South Carolina decides that a quarter is really all they need to beat Michigan, and they score 23 unanswered points uh, to end the game 26-19. to So maybe the most important thing to note about this game is after South Carolina won, uh, Outback Steakhouse was giving away Bloomin' Onions the next day for free. Um, they would have given away coconut shrimp, I think, if Michigan had won. But uh, Michigan blew it for the entire country, so we had to settle settle for some fried onion um, and dipping sauce. Did you Did you have any notes about this game? Which hey, blue, bloomin' onions aren't bad. No, like no, them. I actually love bloomin' onions. It's but, pretty uh, incredible that they can make that too. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, and that people will I, actually show up for it on a Tuesday. 
uh, at oh, Outback yeah. Steakhouses to save eight dollars or twelve or however much Bloomin' Onions costs these days. <laughs> yeah, there's no telling, but um, I mean, uh, oh, this is just a sad game for Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> That's all there is to say about. It. I mean, Harbaugh, Harbaugh went from like this seemingly invincible coach to very, very average very yeah. quickly, and it'll be interesting to see. I mean, if he doesn't have a good year next year, I, I mean, I don't know how it's going to turn out for him. He seemed like he was really bringing Michigan back, and yeah. Um, but this is a good win. I told you that this Gamecocks would win. They heard me. They knew the SEC needed a W, and so here they go. They were like, uh, at halftime, I think, they listened to the podcast. They are like, gosh, remember <laughs> what Mark said? The SEC needs a W. Um, too bad uh, Too bad. Uh, a couple other teams didn't get the same memo, but the sure. Gamecocks did. Let me ask you one quick question before we move on about Michigan and Jim Harbaugh. So this is his what? Is this his third year, second year? I think it might be his fourth. It's oh, really? His okay. Third. Okay, because I think last year, I mean, I think they were nine. They had nine wins. They were like nine and three in the regular season, I think. Um, so he ends the season eight and five after everything, um, which I don't know. Like I think that after last year, it was kind of a, a lot better than most people expected out of him that soon. Um, and so I wonder if maybe he uh, that that season kind of is haunting him a little bit because I I have heard that basically you know, next year could be his make-or-break season. I personally think that they'll give him a, another couple, even if next year isn't uh, is, a, is another one like this. But um, maybe well, I'm here, wrong. Here's, here's the problem, though. You know, it's, it's, it's not just the record. It's kind of how you lose and to whom you lose. I see. Um, and so, like Harbaugh, the way that they lost to Michigan State, for example, I mean, Michigan State is supposed to be the little brother. Sure. You know, it's not supposed to be the main rival. And they, I think he's lost three mm-hmm. to Michigan State. I want to say three out of four. But in the way that they lost it, like with, I don't know if you've seen the play where um, maybe this is last year or two years ago. They're, they have the lead. The last play of the game is going to be a punt. And mm-hmm. the punter fumble, fumbles the snap. Michigan State picks it up and scores. And that's the last play of the game. Yes. And Michigan State wins. It was just it was like an amazingly absurd, almost impossible sort of thing to happen. And it happened and that's how they lost. Uh, they haven't done well against uh, Ohio State. Right. And th- those two teams you just got to beat. The other thing is um, Harbaugh was a former quarterback, and mm-hmm. he should be good at developing quarterbacks. That's true. And they have these guys who are talented, but they're not developing, and the offense is pretty slow. No, the and defense in fact, is out, but the offense is terrible. And so, and so here's the thing. You got this guy who you need to win. There's a couple games you need to win every year, Michigan State, Ohio State. You at least need to have a winning record in those games. Yeah. He's not winning those games. His quarterbacks are not developing well. And so it's like, okay, is this guy actually a good coach? Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you lose again next year to Michigan State and Ohio State, even if those are your only two losses and you just are relying on the defense, you don't have quarterback development still, I mean, maybe you keep him around, but it's also like, uh, because if you have those two losses in the Big Ten, you're not going to go to the Big Ten championship. Sure. Um, and so it's just kind of like I don't uh, do you keep him around you kind of have the Mark's, Mark Rick syndrome where it's okay he's good but he's not getting over the hump sure. he's not winning his championship so what do we do um, so I think it, it's also like how, I mean they, they just look ugly 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's not it's not like they're playing high quality football and losing close games to top ranked opponents. They're mm-hmm. they're blowing they're blowing nineteen to three leads <laughs> against South Carolina um, in the Outback mm. Bowl. That's not that's not a good way to be like no 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 have confidence in me you know. Sure. So I mean, if they had barely lost that game and it were this tight back and forth close battle where they showed some life, maybe. But blowing a nineteen three lead, it's like yikes. Right. With one quarter left, yeah, no, yeah. I agree. All right, fair point, fair point. Uh, we got just a couple more games to talk to or talk about here before we talk about the playoff games. Let's talk Peach Bowl. Uh, Peach Bowl was Auburn versus UCF. I was convinced until basically this was over that Auburn was just going to rally at some point. Um, but UCF, I think, mostly looked like the better team. Um, I mean, definitely in the end, obviously. But uh, carry on. Johnson mostly held in check. 22 carries and only 71 yards. Uh, he did have a touchdown. Uh, Stidham threw a couple picks. Um, close game, but UCF comes out ahead in the end, 34-27. to 27. I think the big story here really seems to be uh, kind of what happened afterwards. So this, this win made UCF 13-0, the only undefeated FBS team. So following the game, like immediately following the athletic director, um, he basically declared that UCF is national champions. Um, they beat Auburn, which actually, just the way things shook out this year gives them a transitive win over either possible national champion this year. And so the question, I think, is, I mean, (laughs) and this is why I said it was, you know, like not necessarily a definitive national champion this year with the the playoff winner, but uh, the question everybody's asking is, should UCF have gotten a spot in the playoff after all? What are your thoughts? Uh, No. No. (laughs) Yes. That's basically, those I think, what the, the committee thinks. Um, those are my thoughts. I mean, look, you put UCF in, even in the Pac-12, which is had an abysmal bowl season, you put them in the Pac-12, they have more than one loss throughout mm-hmm. the season. I mean, part part of the reason that there's a Power 5 is playing that schedule week in, week out. It's not one team here and there. It's not 30 days to prepare for one team. Mm-hmm. Almost any team can beat another team. If you have 30 days to prepare, especially when that other team may not want to be there. Sure. Right? Watching the watching the Auburn game, my initial thought for the first, at least for the first quarter and a half, not the entire first half, is Auburn just doesn't want to be there. They just look like they didn't practice for the last 30 days. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were a couple of times where it was like the – I remember a couple of times defensive backs, wide receivers from UCF were just blowing past them, and they were kind of jogging, running after them. They just did not want to be there. Mm-hmm. And I've seen this play out before. Alabama's done it. You've seen it in other big games. And then by the time Auburn's like, oh, crap, like this team is, is 12-0 for a reason. It's not that they're a bad football team, right? I mean, you can't go 12-0 and be a bad football team. And by the time they realize that, dude, there's so much confidence on the other side. And that, that, that team's not tired. They're amped up and ready to go. And they're like, man, maybe we could really do this. Coming back and winning against all that momentum is really hard and difficult against a decent team. It was it was bad coaching job, it was bad playing job from Auburn. But should they have been in the playoff? No, mm-hmm. absolutely not. Um, but do they want to declare themselves a national champion? Sure. I mean, I put myself in the position of the of, of Frost or the athletic director, and I'm like, yeah, 
let's buy let's I know let's get them rings let's put up a banner let's remember this season it's a heck oh. of a season uh, why not fair okay um, so whoever wins the the title game on Monday uh, already knows that they'll be sharing it um, so <laughs> that's right co-champions or <laughs> hey you want to play UCF UCF you want to play one of these teams in a in a in a championship game go for it <laughs> Um, okay, so it should be noted that I think I picked against every single SEC team uh, in this late bowl period, uh, except for Auburn, and they lost. Uh, speaking of other... Oh, wait, no. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay. Uh, I did pick against our, our next victor here, uh, LSU versus Notre Dame in the Citrus Bowl. LSU ends up winning this one. 21 to 17. I didn't watch this game and I actually feel totally fine about that because this this game was 0 to 3 going into the half. And I think that was Notre Dame winning or leading. It ended up 21 to 17, but I was really hoping for a score like 3 to 0 or 6 to 3 in the end. Um as I said, I didn't watch a minute of it. Do you have anything to to remark about on this game? Well, hold on. I think I think Notre Dame won this game 21-17. Oh, okay. Good. Then oh, they did. 21-17. Okay. Good. Well, then I got a, at least one of these picks, right? There you uh, go. Picking against the SEC was not uh, a bad gambit after all. Well, although it did look like LSU was going to win. Uh they scored late to to go up and then like the kind of Michigan South Carolina game, not a whole lot of scoring happening. And then suddenly it was like Notre Dame scored in like two plays or something. It's like, okay, where the heck was that? <laughs> and LSU, what in the world happened? Um, so, yeah, LSU scored late, looked like they were going to win, and then they gave up a long touchdown pass to Notre Dame. Pretty boring game, pretty terrible. Um, but you know, the Fighting Irish come out with a W. Um, let's see how both these teams go into next year because um, it'll be – both of them need – some help on offense for sure for sure all right are you ready to talk our college football playoff semifinal games oh yeah all right let's start with the rose bowl rose bowl was uh, between oklahoma and georgia this game was probably the best one all bowl season some people are saying maybe the best one all season. Um, I think that, uh, let's see, Oklahoma was up 17 points, um, about to go into the half when they score a touchdown, or no, I'm sorry, they score a touchdown to put them up 17 points, and then they decide to do, do some sort of weird squib kick, um, which basically sets Georgia up to return the ball just enough uh, to attempt a field goal. Uh, Georgia's uh, kicker gets out there on the field <laughs> for a 55-yard field goal, kicks it, makes it, making it uh, Oklahoma up just 14 points going into the half. And this was really a momentum changer. Um, and you and I were texting here, and you're like, well, I think Kirby Smart um, is is likely to, to go into that locker room and to, to make some big changes. And whatever they were, running the ball more, I think, was basically about the size of it. Um, they did, and uh, they end up 
uh, tying it up to, to go into overtime and winning this one 54-48 to 48, um, in, in double overtime. Uh, this was a great game. Um, trying to think what else I, I really want to say about it. Uh, you know, I guess we had wondered earlier this year, I, I specifically, me, had wondered basically what happens when... Um, a Big 12 team like Oklahoma, who is used to playing shootouts and, and not playing much defense, goes up against uh, a team that has a good defense like Georgia. And apparently Georgia just decided to, like, revert to whatever the heck uh, Oklahoma is doing um, and uh, generated just a ton of production on, on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, I think uh, – I mean, this is interesting. One, uh, yeah, this turned into a shootout because – um, mainly because Oklahoma doesn't have much of a defense or didn't mm-hmm. or how, whatever tense I'm supposed to use at this point. Um, and so they just could not stop Georgia's running game. I mean, just could not stop it. Uh, both, I think, Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb had over 150 yards each. I mean, it's just insane. Um, and so with that, yeah, I mean, it's just kind of like, okay, this is going to go back and forth. And the first half, so you end up with a shootout, a very interesting to call it a shootout mm-hmm. because one's throwing the ball over the place, the other's running the ball down right. the throat. So it was, it was an interesting kind of shootout. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the the storylines were, you know, you figured one thing had to happen. Either Oklahoma was going to have to stop the running game with Georgia or Georgia was going to have to stop Baker Mayfield. Neither one happened. Right. <laughs> so it was just like, oh, this is just chaos. It's you score, I score, you score, I score. I was like, okay, it's going to come up with a defensive play. Well, Oklahoma made the defensive play, ended up getting a, a fumble return for a touchdown to go up, and then uh, Georgia marches right back down the field um, and, and ties it up, and then it goes into overtime, and, and Georgia gets a stop, and uh, Sonia Michelle ends up running for a 27-yard touchdown. Well, Georgia to, actually intercepted the ball, I think, to, to end Oklahoma's possession in that second overtime. No. No, no, no. The second overtime, uh, they blocked the field goal. Oh, right. Right. <laughs> Holy crap. Yeah, they blocked the field goal. So it was an insane game. It had everything, you know, going on in it. Um, and so, I mean, yeah, there was there was all kinds of stuff that were happening. It was a very exciting game. I mean, obviously, uh, the way they ended up 54-48. But, yeah, I mean, uh, the result basically was, uh, again, you thought somebody had to slow down either slow down Baker or slow down Georgia in order to win the game. Neither thing happened. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, naturally, that's going to end up with, okay, it's going to be the slimmest of margins. You go into overtime. It takes two overtimes. Uh, and, you know, it takes something like a block field goal in order to settle the whole thing. So, I mean, it was uh, it was a wild game, and it'll be very interesting to see. I think the biggest question mark coming out of it is, you know, what does Georgia have left in the tank physically, emotionally? Mm-hmm. Uh, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, it wasn't a very physical game necessarily, so they might have a good amount. It was just they had to fly to the West Coast, they had to fly back, mm-hmm. you know, play it for a significant amount of time. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, I think uh, you got to tip your hat to, to Baker Mayfield and to <clears throat> Oklahoma and say, dude, they had a great season and easily could have come out in, in Oklahoma's favor. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I think it shows one. Yeah, the Big Twelve offenses are for real, mm-hmm. but their defenses are not. You know, so I mean, I think you would see these kind of things happen. And I think the other thing eventually is, 
you play a defense like a Georgia or an Alabama or an Auburn or whatever, that first half, Georgia was like, holy crap, what's happening? Right. Oh, okay, second half, this is what's happening. And they did slow them down a little bit, right? I mean, in double overtime, they only scored the second half and the two overtimes. Oklahoma only scores 17 more points. And so it's not like Oklahoma continued just to blow them away. It was like, okay, hey, guys, here are some changes we can make on defense to help slow this thing down at mm-hmm. least a little bit. I think that's what you would see ultimately if Big 12 offenses and Big 12 teams were playing teams like the SEC who had a good balance in offense and defense is you would see the defenses eventually catch up to what's happening. I see. Uh, but you would see the Big 12 defenses not be able to stop something like the combination of Chubb, Michelle, DeAndre Swift, and a guy with a decent arm like Fromm. Mm-hmm. I think you would see the same thing if Oklahoma played Alabama. It would be, okay, it would be the shootout probably because they would show up and it, they'd score a lot of points. But then would they be able to stop Bo Scarborough, Damian Harris, Jalen Hurts, Josh Jacobs, Najee Harris from running the ball? No. There's no way. And so, um, and every now and then you'd hit Calvin Ridley over the top if Jalen Hurts could throw a deep ball at all. And so, I mean, I think what you saw play out is the way you would see it, except I think you would see more the second half in most games if they played a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, So the first half was just like, I think uh, Georgia's defense was just kind of like, okay, this is Baker Mayfield. What the heck do we do? Halftime, Kirby Smart was like, guys, that was Baker Mayfield. Okay. Here's here here's here's what we do. Um and had a couple of things to come up with. So um but yeah, again, hats off to, to Baker Mayfield. That's deserving right. of the Heisman. Oklahoma, great football team, amazing game, but also hats off to Georgia for just having the composure to come back from seventeen yeah. down. Uh and fresh true freshman quarterback having the composure to do that. Phenomenal stuff. So looking forward to, to seeing them in the national championship. Definitely. And I just kind of want to take a minute to like chastise the people who made fun of Baker Mayfield for getting emotional after this loss. I mean, I'm sorry. It was a double overtime <laughs> loss. I felt a little bit emotional. And that kid basically uh, had performed uh, beyond anybody's any reasonable expectations all season long probably felt like he had not only, you know, the, the expectation of, of the whole team, but of all the Oklahoma fans uh, uh, on him, and, and he, he wasn't able to, to get the win. I, I think he is well justified um, in, in yeah, getting I a mean, little bit upset about that. It was for a sure, tough Espe- loss. Especially, especially with his story, being a walk-on, starting right. at Texas Tech, then coming to Oklahoma, being a walk-on there, having his, his series of, of problems, and I think – it's the end of his career. It's an incredible football game. He didn't come out on the on the winning side of it, but he also has a a unique relationship with his coach and Lincoln Riley, um, and so uh, definitely. I mean, dude, yeah, let it let it show, man, and give him the space space to do that. It's uh, been a huge part of his life. And there's no telling what the next chapter holds, but uh, it's a it's a unique bond I think you form playing football with these guys for so long, sure. um, and then. You being the guy, like you were saying, and not being able to get your team over the top, yeah, mm-hmm. man, it's tough. Yeah. Uh, how do you think he'll perform at the next level? Just real quick, we gotta move on. Yeah, I, I think I think he'll be really good at the next level. Okay. Uh, he's a very accurate passer. Um, he's also got his legs. He can. He's a good leader. He's got the intangibles. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he'll be like a Drew. A lot of people have made this comparison. He'll be like a Drew Brees type quarterback. Okay. Uh, Drew Brees is not very tall. 
Uh, he's not kind of your prototypical size and all that kind of stuff for quarterback. But he's a great leader. He's got an accurate arm. Mm-hmm. Uh, he knows how to use what he has. And I think that's what you have at Baker. Uh, and also just a hard worker, dedicated guy to football. So he understands the game. Yeah, uh, I think I think he'll be good at the next level. Okay. Uh, and maybe at some point we do need to talk about basically what makes a good college uh, football quarterback versus what makes a good NFL quarterback because they're clearly not the same thing because I remember I, I don't I don't know where he was drafted but first second third or something Mitch Trubisky who I had never really heard of during the college football season but um, was apparently somebody that was identified as just going to make an excellent uh, NFL quarterback I, I don't even know if he's playing but whatever somebody decided that he, he was going to be a top uh, pick so um, there's clearly differences <coughs> Yeah, well, and there are, um, and a lot of that has to do with throwing the football accuracy and the strength of your arm and accuracy of your arm, uh, really two huge next steps. So that guy like Tim Tebow doesn't Mm -hmm. have the most accurate arm, doesn't have the strongest arm, but leadership intangibles in college were off the charts. If you needed uh, to get a first down on third one, you just run Tim Tebow up the middle and nobody's going to stop him because he's a train. But you take that to the next level, he's still in interceptions. Third one, he's going to get drilled by some grown man on the other side of the football. It's not going to work out for you. So it mostly has to do with ability to understand complex defenses and then do you have a strong arm and an accurate arm. But we can talk about that later. All right. uh, Let's talk about the Sugar Bowl. Clemson versus Alabama part three, as everybody was calling it. Um, let's be honest. I was happy with the result, but I'm sure for most people, this was not an interesting game to watch. Alabama was in the driver's seat here the whole time. Clemson could not accomplish anything they wanted to, couldn't run the ball. Kelly Bryant couldn't really throw the ball. Uh, Clemson hasn't been known for having like explosive plays uh, all year, and it seemed like by Alabama limiting kind of the fundamentals of uh, those short screen passes and, and, uh, and the run game, um, they they had two field goals the whole game. I mean, that's it. I texted you at one point and you said, this is what it looks like when our defense is healthy, which was definitely true. Um, there were some trash talk memes going around afterwards about uh, Deron Payne, the 300-pound defensive lineman, had as much production as the entire Clemson offense. Uh, so congrats to him. He was probably the highlight um, he had a big interception and then a horse collar, which brought him down probably 10 yards sooner than he would have uh, otherwise been. Uh, but then he was given that TD pass, uh, which, which he caught. And I think this, like to me, I was thinking about this, and it, and it says a lot about um, Alabama that they thought he could make this play and didn't prioritize Ridley or running back. Um, of course, there was apparently some pretty blatant penalties of the variety that you actually talked about earlier this season uh in the the last version of the alabama clemson game that uh gave clemson that winning touchdown um so i guess what goes around comes around or turnabouts fair play or whatever um but uh deron Payne made the catch made the touchdown uh and they interviewed him at the end and uh, i don't know he seemed really happy he also seemed really confident like it wasn't that much of a surprise that he was able to make the play um, but uh, like, what are you talking about, man? Yeah, right. I do it all the time. Right. Uh, in the end, this was a you know a defensive slugfest. Uh, total production for both teams was what four hundred and forty yards. Um, 
you know, I have to say, we were worried. Uh, but with the performance of Alabama's defense here, it really looks like Jeremy Pruitt's mind isn't elsewhere. Um, so I, I hope it stays not elsewhere for at least a few more days. Uh, so the final score here, Alabama 24-6. to six. Um, What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I, part of it is what I text you. You know, this is what our defense looks like healthy. This is what I expected. <clears throat> I mean, it, it was a very similar feeling game mm-hmm. to the Florida State game, very similar score to the Florida State yeah. game where we had these guys healthy as well um, against a very similar team if Florida State has DeAndre Francois. And so I think, I mean, this is the sort of feel that you have. I mean, the defense came out, and you could tell, I mean, we came out, you could tell from the very get-go, they were pumped to be there. They were ready to play. They were flying around. Um, and so I was I was pretty excited from, from the get-go just watching our, our defense. Just seeing those guys out there, mm-hmm. we, just, we just looked different. Um, I mean, I mean, partly I mean physically. I mean, Terrell Lewis is a huge man. Uh, you know, he's 6'5", 240, coming off the edge. He just kind of just changes the feel of the defense just by the way he looks out there. Having Christian Miller out there um, and Anthony Jennings a little healthier. Of course, he's going to be gone for the championship game. Yeah. But also, Mac Wilson healthy. Uh, Mac Wilson was playing middle linebacker, did a great job. Huge defensive shift from last year, the championship game, was uh, they took Tony Brown off of Hunter Renfro and put Mika Fitzpatrick on Hunter Renfro. Mm-hmm. And if you ever question whether or not Mika was really good, you just watch him cover Hunter Renfro. It sure. was unbelievable. Blanketed him. I mean, Hunter had a couple catches. A couple of times, those were not when he when Mika was covering him. But the one catch that, you, that I saw, at least, that he had against uh, Minka was uh, a perfect throw uh, from Kelly Bryant. Back shoulder, across the sideline, Hunter Renfro completely stretched out, and Minka's hand was still right there. It was just an amazing catch and throw. And it was just kind of like, yeah, okay, if, if you're going to make that throw and catch, then you can have that. But Minka played an amazing game uh, covering him because he's killed us uh, the past two years. Um and so, yeah, part of it was just our defense looked a lot better. And I think having those edge rushers back, our defensive line played a lot better. Um, we had five different guys who had sacks. We were constantly in the backfield. Obviously, the pressure on the quarterback uh, caused uh, a couple of interceptions as well. And the game really turned around that. Uh, when I look at the outcome of the game, I see this is kind of a classic Alabama win. You, you keep running the ball, even though it's not working the best. You keep running it because it runs clock. It wears down their defense. You don't you don't rely on your quarterback to have to win a game. You just don't, just don't make mistakes. Uh-huh. Um, and then there's two turnovers that are going to change the complexion of the game. And it was back-to-back throws from Kelly Bryant, interceptions. One was the draw and pain, and then the great catch in the end zone on the offensive side of the ball with Ron Payne. But then Mac Wilson... Uh, gets the interception, takes it to the house. That was pretty much the game right there. And it, back in the day, which means like last year and the beginning of the season, it would it was if you got that lead, you know, it wasn't you weren't gonna let it up. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like Alabama was gonna win this game. That's the way that it felt. It had that feeling again. Um, and so this is just back to to Alabama football. And I don't think it was just a a phrase that Saban used when he said, I think we lost our identity in the Auburn game, he was being serious. We, we lost who we were. We lost how we win. We win by running the football and playing a defense. 
And the Auburn game, we threw the ball around a lot. Uh, we had a lot of guys hurt on defense. We didn't play defensively as, as well as we could. And so it was kind of like, okay, we, we're back to our identity. Brian Dayball, the offensive coordinator, mm-hmm. ran the ball a lot. Yeah. Uh, and it was great. It was a little confusing toward the end while we threw. Like we started throwing a lot. And I'm like, this is actually literally the time that everybody else in the country would run. And we're throwing the ball. Just milk the clock. And Saban gave him, you know, a butt chewing. Um, <laughs> and so I don't know how much how young our audience is here. And yeah, sure. No, it's a family um, show. And by that, I mostly mean it's mostly just our families listening. (laughs) That's right. And they really do enjoy it. That's right. And Um, they don't like us to swear. I hear about it from my mom every week. My eight-year-old son gets on me every time. (laughs) It's like, Dad, Dad, I heard you. Um, So, anyway, all that to say, the defensive side of the ball is what changed the complexion of this game. Because offensively, again, Alabama's identity is run the football, and we did that over and over again. There were a couple of plays, uh, it, and Clemson has a great defense, and so offensively we didn't do a ton. We did enough, mm-hmm. and that's that's our identity. Um, a little concern. I mean, this game could have been a, a lot more. Alabama could have won by a lot more. Jalen Hurts missed a couple of downfield throws. Uh, he missed one to Robert Foster pretty badly, and he missed one to Calvin Ridley on a flea flicker that was like, dude, just throw it out there. Calvin Ridley is like, the fastest guy on our team, just let him run under the ball, and he underthrew it by five yards. And defensive back came came back, was able to catch up, make up ground, and make a play on the ball. But I mean, if he makes those couple of plays, I and mean, we're talking winning by um, you know maybe thirty or so, and so uh, those are a little frustrating at times. Mm-hmm. And those are the sorts of plays that I think facing a, a defense like Georgia that he's going to have to make uh, in order to open up the run game. Um, but, man, I, I was very excited, very satisfied with the way that we played, uh, especially on defense. And if we can continue to play on defense like that and bring that energy, bring that tenacity, uh, bring um, that just level of flying around to the football and that cohesiveness, then I think we'll be in good shape against Georgia. All right. So with that, why don't we talk about the Georgia-Alabama game? Let's do it. It's going to be a whole day of – Team sports and beer. Get the old heart rate up. Maybe pound a cheeseburger in the sun. Throw some butter on it. You're going to love it. All right. So uh, we only have one game to talk about this week. The uh, conference or the college. Why do I keep saying conference? The college football playoff championship game. It Uh, is. Jason, I I think I know why you say conference. (laughs) It's haunting me. Because it's. It's the actual SEC championship oh, that's right. game. <laughs> the, the, the one that would have been played if Alabama had beaten Auburn. So Yes. All right. So this is between Alabama and Georgia coming at you on Monday, January 8th at 8 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN. Alabama is currently a four-point favorite. So people have been asking me all week my thoughts on this game, and I'm honestly – I'm not sure – I, f- I feel like these teams are pretty evenly matched on paper. I feel like they have similar strengths. They have elite running backs and stout defense. Uh, young quarterbacks who are maybe not the pillar of the offense. Um, kind of my read on this is whoever can stop the run uh, will win this game. I mean, am I wrong? Uh, Alabama looked incredible uh, in that last week. Uh, Clemson had 64 rushing yards. Uh, as you mentioned earlier, they, they lose uh, Anthony Jennings in this game. 
uh, or in that game, so he won't be there Monday. Um, and Minka Fitzpatrick had a kidney injury and was in the hospital, but apparently will be playing on Monday, which is sort of unbelievable uh, because I'm not really sure what the nature of the injury was, but I can tell you that if if I had any injury uh, to my kidney that required hospitalization, <laughs> you, can, you can bet I would not be at work on Monday. Um, I respect that, but again, uh, like we talked about earlier this year when, and when Kelly Bryant was out, um, and, and then he came back in, and I thought it was a little bit soon, and then he kind of twisted his ankle again. Um, I don't know. I, I hope that the coaches aren't, aren't trusting him to make the right decision about playing, because he clearly wants to play, um, but I hope that they're smart enough to make uh, the decision that's really, really best for him. In any case, uh, we're still healthier uh, there uh, than we were against Auburn once again um, you know because I can't pick a game right all bowl season I'm picking Georgia to win this one obviously uh, it worked wow. out for for the the semifinal <laughs> uh, I did pick Clemson um, so I'm, I'm saying Georgia wins 20 to 17 wow yeah I'm gonna go uh, Alabama wins uh, 21 17 okay and I mean, I think you're right. I mean, if one team can stop the run, uh, at least slow it down, uh, they'll win. Now, I mean, you could have a situation like in the Oklahoma Georgia game where nobody stops the run, <laughs> so it just ends up, you know, being the shootout. Because what's interesting about the the Georgia Oklahoma game is, I mean, Oklahoma ran the ball in Georgia right pretty well. Uh, they they ripped off some long runs. Now, part of that is because there's a there's a not just a genuine threat like you know Heisman Trophy type threat in the passing game, and so you can't just sell out on the run. Um, but you know if if a team is able to slow down the run, then yeah, I think that team will be the winner. Um, but uh, you know at the same time, looking at Georgia and the Oklahoma game, I mean Georgia looked unbeatable. Their offense looked unstoppable last week, but it was also against Oklahoma, who had like a 52nd ranked defense, whereas everybody else had one of the top five. Um, and so obviously it's not going to look like that against Alabama. Alabama will hold the ball for longer. Hopefully we'll still be committed to running the ball. I think it's going to come down to, you know, one or two plays here or there, a thing like a block field goal. Mm-hmm. That kind of stuff, which really doesn't bode well in our favor, given the fact that our field goal kicker missed a pretty short one. Sure. Um, but, you know, I think um, at the end of the day, it's really hard to beat Alabama at Alabama's game. Mm-hmm. Whenever we've played a team that has the same strengths that we do of running the ball on defense, generally speaking, we handle them pretty well. Um, and,. Saban's never lost to an assistant. He's 11-0, et cetera, et cetera. Part of the difference there this time, what gives Kirby Smart more of an edge than most assistants, is he was just an assistant. Mm -hmm. And he recruited a lot of those guys who are on the defense at Alabama and coached a lot of those guys who are on the defense for Alabama. Um, And so I think he's going to have a a level of knowledge uh, of Alabama that uh, most other people don't have. At the same time, it wasn't too long ago that Jeremy Pruitt was also the defensive right. coordinator for Georgia. And so, I mean, there's just the, – the knowledge of each team is just insanely high. 
Right. Um, Lane Kiffin actually remarked about all this. He said these guys know each other's personal schemes inside and out, uh, and uh, they're basically going to be trying to steal signals because um, there's there's so much crossover. I mean, I mean, you mentioned Jeremy Pruitt, and of course everybody knows Kirby Smart, but uh, he mentioned. Uh, I mean, I don't know who Mel Tucker is, but um, or Glenn yeah, Schumann, but uh, you Mel know, Mel Tucker's a defensive coordinator now at Georgia. Yeah, and, and so. Yeah, I think you have a level of knowledge. All I'd say, so everything I'm saying is they're basically equal. Great run game, great defense, great knowledge of one another. It's going to come down to who makes a mistake um, mm-hmm. and all those sort of things. And when you play Alabama, if you try to beat Alabama at Alabama's game, it usually doesn't work. Uh, and so I think there will be a play here or there where Alabama's just been there before and it comes down to execution because uh, you know what they're going to run, who can execute it better. And I think Alabama at the end of the day is going to do that. You're going to have something like a Mac Wilson interception for a touchdown. Minka makes a play on defense. Uh, if Jalen can connect on even just one of those throws downfield to, to Ridley, and I think that'll happen. One of those things are going to happen, or one of those things will happen, or all those things will happen. And I think that'll put Alabama o- over the top against this against this team. Um, so I got Alabama. It's going to be low scoring. Uh, it's going to be for most people in the world, a very ugly, slow game. Uh-huh. Uh, but if you appreciate great athletes on defense and just a coaching match, uh, for the ages and storylines all over the place, this is going to be a great game. Um, but at the end, I think Alabama pulls it out 21-17, and uh, they win their 17th, Jason, national championship. <laughs> at least their third, I could confirm. At, at, least, at least their third. At least their third. Which would still be more than almost every program in the country sure, except for a few. Sure. Um, definitely not Princeton. They, they got some, some ground to cover <laughs> between true. Princeton. Hey, we're um, catching up, though. Right. Okay, so so you mentioned what if neither team stops the run and it turns into a shootout. They're just back and forth the whole time. But fine. What if both teams stop it, and then it basically ends up being Jalen Hurts versus Jake Fromm through the air? I mean, who comes out on, uh, like on top there? It's a bad question, Jason. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, it's a good question. Uh, you know, it's a uh... Fromm is a better thrower. There, there's no doubt about it. Um, okay. And he's more accurate, and I think he understands defenses a lot better. But I think there's a way to shape the passing game where – and when you look at Georgia and Alabama, they're, neither Jalen nor uh, Jake are asked to throw downfield too often. Right. So about who, who can play the screen game better, who can play the swing pass game better, who can hit the slants, who can hit little out routes, things like that. Uh, and Jalen's pretty good at that. Um, and – and so that'll be the majority of the passing attack, no matter what happens. Um, and the question then is, who can hit that bomb at the end of at the at the end of the day? Who can hit those two or three passes that are 25, 30 yards down the field in the air? And uh, Fromm has been better at that, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, and so I think Fromm definitely has the edge there. Okay, I guess what I'm kind of a little bit. Um... I don't know, comforted by it, is I feel like we have, I mean, we have more weapons uh, on on offense than they do. I mean, I know we talk about Sony Michelle and, and Nick Chubb, and I, I feel like they're in a league by themselves. Um, but I don't know. We have, we have easily th- three running backs that I, I feel like are all elite, 
and and then also Calvin, Calvin Ridley. I, I don't know who they have, uh, wide receiver, tight end, or whatever, making the plays no. downfield. Wims. Wims for them uh, as a receiver is, is kind of the go-to guy, mm-hmm. but we also we have we have a couple. Or Mika, we'll put Mika on their best receiver, and Mika will shut him down. Right. Um, but I think the the thing for me too, if if you're going to go to the passing game, Fromm has the advantage. But as much as we would like to lean on Jalen throwing, we're just not going to do that unless mm-hmm. we get down by a lot. Right. And even then, I think we should still run. And, and the advantage that Jalen has is he's a great running quarterback. Sure. And so I think if we really get in a pinch, I mean, one of the more exciting things, it was it was amazing. I was talking to a friend I was watching the game with, and I said, if we come out and on offense and we have an empty backfield, I'm turning the television off. I just, I'm just not going to watch <laughs> this stuff. If we're not going to run the floor, I'll be pissed. And I said, you know what I'd love to see? And this is, I said, this is not going to happen, but you know what I'd love to see? I'd love to see Alabama run some version of the triple option. I don't know if you noticed this. We ran a couple of triple option plays. I didn't notice that. And so I would love. I mean, and because I was, I was like, dude, we got Jalen Hurts, we have Bo Scarborough, uh, and you got Damian Harris. Who are they gonna stop? And so we came out with a triple option a couple times, and one time Jalen fakes a pitch and then takes it for twenty-two yards as longest run. And all that to say, the quarterback running element we definitely have. Now Fromm is athletic and he's mobile and he can get out of the pocket, but he's not the runner that Jalen is. So sure. um, I think if we get in a pinch, and this is what we always do, we rely on, on the quarterback run game, implementing him in that rather than try to rely on him throwing downfield. And so that's where I think. Uh, Alabama and Hurts have the advantage. Okay. All right. Well, we don't have to wait too much longer to find out how all of this is going to end. Um, I, I guess that that's all, all the commentary I have to offer. Uh, you got anything else you want to note? I don't think so. Um, yeah, it should be a great game. Uh, and, I mean, for Georgia, it is a home game, yeah. know, basically playing in Atlanta there, but Alabama's owned Atlanta. It's actually kind of cool to have two teams from the SEC playing in Atlanta for the national championship. It just seems to, to feel right. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it should be a really exciting game. I'm sure we'll be texting during it. And, sure. Um, we'll be – I'll look forward to our national championship celebration afterward. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so we will catch all of our processors on the other side of this big game um until then uh i don't think we've said it all season really but uh roll tide oh yes roll tide all right later